This is One in 36, a presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. One in 36 is a weekly show devoted to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And today I'm speaking with Lisa Kandera also known as the Autism Mom Coach. Lisa, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. So um, as I think you know, and most of our listeners at this point know, I have the pleasure on this podcast of interviewing so many different people from all over um, the country, even occasionally from other parts of the world who are just doing work, interesting things, having an impact in the autism community in some capacity. Um, and so today I'm, I wanted to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better and have our listeners get to know um, you, your background, um, what it means to be the autism mom coach, what your hopes are about being in that role and bringing that to um, to other people. And so let's start with just giving you a chance to introduce yourself and tell us about, about who you are. Yeah, sure. So my name is Lisa Candera. I am a single mom of a 15-year-old with severe autism and OCD. I am also an attorney. We live in Connecticut, which is probably pretty obvious because this is a Connecticut radio station. But we actually, I say that because we moved to Connecticut from South Jersey five years ago. So still getting to know the area. Um, And I began coaching moms raising kids with autism about three years ago. And I really, I came to coaching first as a client, I had gotten to the point where my son's anxiety and behaviors were, um, they were, you know, pretty high during COVID and as that intersected with puberty, and it was really challenging. And I wanted to find some like strategies I could implement immediately to help me regulate myself better so that I could help him and co-regulate with him. And so for me, I, you know, I'd done therapy before and I still do it, but I saw that more as a long-term project than something that was going to help me do tomorrow better. And so that's how I found life coaching as a, um, as a client. I really loved it. And then ever since then, I just wanted to learn more. So I got certified. I started studying, you know, different parts of the modality. And now I teach it to other moms raising kids with autism. Great. Thank you for that background. I'm going to come back to that phrase you just said, do tomorrow better. But um, first, I have another question just to clarify. You you made a distinction between life coaching and, and therapy mm-hmm. or counseling. And I would love it if you would just go into that a little bit more deeply. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it, it would be helpful probably to a lot of our listeners to better understand the difference um, and maybe how the two can coincide or how do you know which one might be the avenue that was going to get you the support that you need at that time? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that they do coincide quite a bit. And there are a lot of people, myself included, who do both. They do coaching and they do therapy. And in fact, about half of my clients are therapists themselves. So, um, but so the difference is, so um, I view therapy as, you know, you have something that is making it difficult for you to show up. Maybe, you know, you're not functioning as well as you would like as, um, you know, as a person. Maybe there's some past trauma. There's some relationship issues that you need to process and you haven't been able to do that just yet. I think therapy is great for that. I almost view life coaching as, okay, 
and now what? Right. Like, I okay, I understand. I have these different issues. I have these different reactions to these different things. I understand the context. I understand the familial, you know, roots, all of that. And it's like, and now how can I take that information and then move forward with it? And I think that's where coaching um, is, you know, a really nice tool because it's just, it's so specific. And for like a me, someone like me, and I feel like so many of my clients, moms raising kids with autism, we're so action oriented. So we're like, okay, give me the list. I'll do all the things. And then when you find with autism, it's like, it's not like that. You can still do all of the things and life can still really be challenging. And so I like the life coaching tools have just been such a godsend to me as a parent because it was like, um, almost it's like, you know, it's a couple of things. It's like you're normalizing the experience for yourself and for other people. And then you're figuring out ways that you can manage it that don't involve you trying to quote unquote, fix your child. Mm -hmm. Because when we get the autism diagnosis, we all hit the ground running in some sort of way to help our child. And we completely ignore ourselves. And what I learned the hard way after, you know, 13 years of going, you know, full speed ahead is that it really doesn't matter. You can do all those things for your kid. And if you're not taking care of yourself, like you're and you burn out, like you're no good to them. Because the fact is, is like, this is a really long unpaved road that we're on. And so I like to encourage parents like as early as possible to really start to do what they can to take care of their own mental and emotional and physical health, because that will be the greatest resource for their child going forward. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I I think um, sort of looking at coaching as a way to take action based on you know, the other work, whether you've done it with the support of a therapist or counselor, you've done it on your own or with friends Mm -hmm. and family, um, is a really cool way to, I'm just, even for me, I'm sort of visualizing that next step. Um, because I, I agree with you sometimes, um, having the knowledge, um, and, and going through those past experiences can be extraordinarily helpful. But it doesn't always for everyone translate into, okay, now I can move forward. Now I can take action. Now I can get back into what's next for me or for my loved one or, you know, my, my life. So I think that's really cool way of explaining it. Um, as I said before, you said something also earlier, um, do tomorrow better. How can I do tomorrow better? And I wrote that down because I love that. It's, it's so non-judgmental, um, mm-hmm. in my mind and it's so, um, positive, but also open-ended enough that it's, it's unique to you, right? Yeah. Whatever absolutely. today was like tomorrow I can do, um, better, but I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that you don't mean that like, it's all on me, right? I have to do everything better. I'm one of those people who tends to default into, I, I, I have to do it all. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. But it's really about, you know, it could tomorrow just be better. Maybe maybe just op- like leaving that open as a possibility that tomorrow could be a better day. Yeah, that you could feel better. Yeah. That yeah. It could still be hard and maybe the one thing that you do tomorrow that makes it better is that you don't beat yourself up. You don't <laughs> should yourself. You don't mm-hmm. catastrophize. You don't spin in doubt. 
All of that makes tomorrow just a little bit better. Your kid is still doing the same stuff. The circumstance is still the same, but there are things that we are always doing either to make it easier on ourselves or make it harder. And a lot of times (laughs) when you're in a constant fight, flight, response, chronic stress, we tend to do a lot of things that make it harder. You know, like we, and I say to my clients always, it's like we're resisting, you know, some of the things that we do, we're resisting reality. So we're, you know, this shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't have to do this. I didn't sign up for it. All of that makes it harder. If we just took that away, Wait, like what does that yeah. open up for you? Right. Just, you know, right. think about like what that does to your, your, your nervous system when you're, you know, bombarding it with all of those, you know, thoughts and all of those emotions and the stress that it creates and how that impacts how you do even the simplest of tasks. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the end of the day, you can feel totally wiped and totally burnt out. And really, you know, all you did was what you did the day before, but with all of these thoughts that are just fueling these emotions that are dragging you down. Right. Right. Um, I, I get that. And we, it is a natural mechanism. I think that so many of us face. And then I would think, um, uh, for you and for so many other parents who are raising a loved one, um, with autism or just, you know, neurodivergent, um, individuals, um, you know, the, the curveballs that may, there are curveballs that come at you, no matter who you are, and where you are in your life journey and, and how old you are. And then there's sort of those extra curveballs that, um, especially when you're hearing and being bombarded by, you know, well, I, I followed all the steps. I did all the right things. I got all the right therapies and there's still something that's just, you know, I didn't expect today. So, um, before we take a break, if you could quickly just um, sort of start us out with how, before we get into what you do with your clients and, and why coaching has been impactful for them, how has it impacted you? As a, as a mom. Oh, wow. Um, it, it, in so many ways. I mean, I think the biggest thing that it's done for me is to let me see the enmeshment between my myself and my son in the sense that I always tied my emotional well-being to him. So in my mind, once he was okay, okay, whatever that means, right? Right. Then, On a given I, day. Be, right. then I would be okay. And so the work of coaching is really to like almost like put us on separate sides of the street. Like he's in this path and I'm in this path. And all of the time that I was trying to spend controlling him and controlling his outcome, also I could feel better. And so it was like figuring out how could I take complete responsibility for my own emotions regardless of what he was doing. Not that I wouldn't still support him, not that I still wouldn't do all the things, but that I wouldn't hinge my identity, my self-worth, my worthiness as a human, as a parent on whether or not he had a meltdown on a certain day. Yeah, right. I am sure that there are so many people listening, especially moms, um, but but parents and caregivers um, who are really resonating with that idea. Um, it certainly makes sense to me, the idea that we naturally um, enmesh, like you said, um, mm-hmm. with our children and um, you feel everything. Somebody told me when I was pregnant with my first child, my daughter, that uh, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. This is the most vulnerable thing you'll ever Yes. And it was all in one sentence. And I was like, oh my goodness. And that has stuck with me because it's just so true um, that it is so difficult not to feel everything um, and worry and and all of that. So, um, but I appreciate, I appreciate what you shared. And um, that seems like in and of itself, before we get into the next half of the show, we're going to talk about your work with other people, that it has been quite an impactful journey for yourself so far. So for sure. 
Uh, we're going to take a short break. This is 1 in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Okay, forest animals, today is a new day. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow. Yes? Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. Okay, river. Dude. How's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. Perfect for a little riverside shoeless relaxation. Ah, good. Owl, you hear? Quash. Who's asking? I am. Look, you know the drill. Sleep during the day, scare the kids at night. Perfect. I love my job. Uh, oak tree? Sup? Still in the same place I left you last year. That's what I like. Consistency. Well, it's not like I'm going anywhere for the next couple hundred years. I know. I love it. Uh, turtle. Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Ugh, he's late every morning. You'd think you would have learned by now to leave the night before our meetings. Okay. Squirrel. Has anybody seen Mr. Squirrel? The forest has been preparing just for you. Visit a forest near you today. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And now, 1 in 36 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and today I'm speaking with Lisa Candera, the autism mom coach. Um, Lisa's been sharing with us a lot of your background. Thank you, Lisa, for that. And also your experiences um, raising your son as a single mom and also uh, going through coaching yourself and and how it help has helped you um i before we get into my next question i I realize i should ask you to share um how can people find out more about you do you have a website you want to share or some other ways to follow your your work so i am everywhere as the autism mom coach so my website's the autismmomcoach.com i have a podcast the autism mom coach and i'm on instagram and facebook as the autism mom coach great so the autism mom coach you can find her any of those places yeah and one podcaster to another. I mean, it's really, I'm finding that that's a great way to get information out to the broader public. So um, it's great to know that you, you're doing that as well. Um, so you just shared at the end of the first uh, half of the show, some information very, you know, and I appreciate it always when our guests are, are willing to share some personal information um, about how coaching helped you and the differences between coaching and, and, and uh, therapy and how the two can kind of work together um, depending on the individual person. So let's shift into your work with clients. Um, tell us about, you know, how do you meet with clients and, and what are the types of um, sort of how, how do you, how do you start and, and how do you, keep things individualized and focused also on what you like to do. Sure. So um, I work with clients over Zoom. So it's just like we're um, talking here. And what first what I do is I do a complimentary consultation. So for anyone who's interested in my coaching program, 45 minute consultation where I, um, I try to learn from you. What is your biggest pain point? Your biggest pain point in autism parenting? Where are you struggling? So I get parents who come to me because they are having a hard time keeping their cool while their child is melting down. And mm-hmm. I actually have an entire framework built around that where I teach a before, during and after process for keeping your cool during a meltdown based on real life experiences. Um, Sometimes they come to me because they're burnt out. They have no time for themselves. Sometimes they come for me because they feel like they've lost who they are. Like, who was I before an autism parent? 
Um, so all kinds of issues, right? Some people have are having a lots of difficulties in their relationships. Perhaps they have parents who are nearby who aren't as involved because they don't um, understand their children. So whatever is a pain point for them, I am there to help them navigate. And so first we determine whether or not it makes sense for us to work together. If it does, we set um, out the client's goals, right? So for some client, I had a one client, she wanted to get better at saying no to her child. And when we uncovered why she was having a hard time saying no to her child is that she felt bad for her child. She was pitying her child who was nonverbal. And so she thought that anytime she said no to her, that she was hurting her and that her job was just to make her child happy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about this. It's like, is that really our job as parents? to make our children happy all the time. Like what is the, you know, so, but really getting underneath the thoughts that were creating that action for her, that guilt that she felt, that shame that she felt. And once we're able to clean that up, saying no to your child isn't that hard. Yes, you have to deal with some repercussions from them, but that becomes a much easier task for you to do when you're not beating yourself up, when you're not shaming yourself, when you're not second guessing yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have um, a couple of parents of twins who have, you know, double the fun and are struggling with meltdowns, especially when one twin would set off the other twin. And so I was helping them a lot with their own emotional regulation so that they could better show up and prepare for what their children were doing. I would get a lot of things like meltdowns come out of nowhere, which is never really the case. And so we started to back up like what's happening? Like, how could we slow this down? What different dance moves could we make when your child does this? Like, how might you be able to do something different? Um, And then, you know, my clients, like what will happen is like the real thoughts will come out when we're going through this and they'll say things like, well, I shouldn't have to do all that. That's the resistance. Right. That's the resistance that's making it hard to set the boundaries. And so once we get under that, that resistance, the rest of the stuff got easier. It's not, yeah. it's, it's all simple stuff, right. right? But it's not easy. And so a lot of my work is really getting under the thoughts that my clients are having, the emotions that those are producing and to normalize them. But then instead of letting those like default patterns run the show, being able to shift to ones that are more useful. And I I think that one of the reasons that my clients get results as quickly as they do is that when they come to me, it's like they are seen without judgment in an instant. There's no explaining autism. There's no like, oh, is she judging me? All that kind of stuff. And so they're really willing very early on to lay it out bare on the table. Like, I wish my kid was normal. I hate autism. I can't stand my neighbor with her normal kids. Like, let's just get it all out because then we can work with it. Interesting. So it's sort of like um, identifying, you know, it sounds like the beginning is a little bit is a little bit um, really sort of digging through those layers that we all do, right? You put on layers of protection every day. And by the time maybe you're 10, 12 years into something, those layers, they get pretty hard and they get pretty hard to take off. And so you're sort of uncovering some of that stuff. But then pretty quickly, it sounds like you shift into that action mode of like, okay, so how can we make this change? Um, and how can we, I like what you said before about sort of be better prepared yeah. um, proactively. So many of the things that really um, I think are helpful to probably all parents and really all people is just for, like I said before, those curveballs, no matter what circumstance you're dealing with and where you are in your life's journey, those curveballs usually are more easily handled if you're a little bit proactive on certain things and if you're a little bit self-aware. Um, so uh, so it sounds it sounds really interesting. Um, 
And how many years have you been doing this now, Lisa? Um, for three years. For three years. Okay. So go ahead. I actually wanted to say one of the things about what you were saying before is like one of like the biggest work in the beginning I talk to my clients is called we check what's triggered. And so yeah. we think about what our kids do as the trigger um, for us getting upset, getting angry, getting sad, but it's not. It's just what's happening. It's the thoughts and the emotions that are getting triggered inside of us that's causing us to react. And so we want to understand that when our child isn't um, listening to us and we're having the thought that they are being rude, that's what's getting us angry at them. It's not yeah. the fact that they're you know not responding to their name. It's whatever thoughts that we have underneath of it. It's not the, you know, like, you know, going to target. It's not that people are actually like, you know, telling us how terrible we are. It's that we think that they are, that they might. And like, we were carrying that with us. Exactly. And it's very interesting. The word trigger, I, I, I sense that that is, that's a word that's often used in the autism space by, you know, and certainly, you know, in a lot of clinical settings and things we're thinking about what might trigger the meltdown, what might trigger my child to, um, to have a rough day or to respond in a certain way. And I like the fact that you and I, I appreciate the fact that you're bringing that trigger word into also just all of, you know, the, the parents, yeah. the caregivers, that Absolutely. everybody has triggers. Um, trigger itself is not a bad word. It's, 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 we all have them. Um, but I would, I would guess that it can be very challenging to shift your thinking to, you know, well, no, I'm just always here to try to protect my child, my loved one from any external triggers. I'm, I don't have time or ability or, or, you know, resources to figure out my own triggers on my job. Yes. Like you said before, so many parents think our job is to eliminate all potential triggers because that will make everything easier and that will make my child happier and that will make yes. everybody leave me alone and let me live my life. Um, but I think what you're pointing out is there are ways you, you have to be able to live your life too while you're doing that. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're close to being, about, yeah, yeah, when we I just talk have about a couple tr- more minutes, I just want yeah, to, and when I talk about that. triggers too, is I always tell parents like whatever's happening on the outside world is just the circumstance. It's what mm-hmm. it's triggering inside of you. It's mm-hmm. those thoughts and those emotions. It's like, that's what we want to get better to understand because if we can't control the outside circumstance, we look at what we can control. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, we only have two more minutes left. I'd love for you to talk just about kind of bringing it full circle. You, you, um, you had some experience receiving coaching. You were inspired, impacted you. You became a, a coach. Now you have clients for the last three years. You've been practicing. How does the fact that in your experiences working with these different families and, and helping them, how does that circle back and impact you now again as as a mom and as yeah, an individual woman? Yeah, it's a really great question. It's something I've actually been thinking about a lot lately. And I think one of the reasons that I love coaching as much as I do is because in a way, I am providing a space to other women that I didn't have or I didn't allow myself to have. And so it's like that full circle of like realizing like I never like all the things that I am encouraging my clients to do are things that I didn't necessarily do until recently and how things would have been different if I had and just being able to um, give myself that moment of, um, you know, self-compassion for not knowing what I didn't know when I didn't know it, but also gratitude for what I do know and the fact that I get to share it. I think that's beautiful. I think that's a wonderful place to be right now. And who knows, you know, how things will progress in the future. Um, Since you're only three years in, I would assume that you've got lots more to offer. 
And um, just want to remind people who are interested in learning more about Lisa's work and how to get in touch with her. Uh, remember, she offers one um, complimentary sort of, I guess, initial session, initial get to know you kind of thing and see if it's a match. And you can find all that information out um, on your website, which is the autism mom coach dot is it dot com dot com. Okay. And, um, and Lisa Kandera just best of luck to you in, in the rest of what you're doing. And thank you for being on the show and helping us understand really, you know, that there's therapy, there's coaching, you can do both. They can be complimentary, but they are different. And for sharing your story and your experiences with us. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is one in 36, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to one in 36, a weekly presentation of the Anderson Center for Autism. Join them for another edition of the show at this time next weekend. 